everyone to All About Windows Phone Insight Podcast 122 when we're recording this on Tuesday the 16th of December 2014. I'm Steve Litchfield. We've got a few things to talk about with Mr. Rafe Lanford. We have indeed. Yes, there's uh, some more news to round up. It's getting towards that seasonal time of year, so we might be able to wish everyone a happy Christmas, both at the beginning and the end of the podcast. There's been a few... Uh, Bits of software out this week from Microsoft and also from third parties, updates to some of the services, new devices to talk about. And uh, Steve has managed to do part two of his Note 4 versus kind of the Nokia imaging kings of various descriptions, 1020 and 930, things like that. Uh, Maybe a surprising conclusion for some to hear about. If you've already read it on the site, maybe not so much for a surprise, but I'm sure we'll uh, manage to finish off this podcast by our usual in-depth imaging chat. (laughs) <laughs> I'm seem to be getting something of a reputation. I, I keep promising myself I'm not going to bore people with more and more camera stuff, but it's insanely popular. And as you saw from today's uh, piece, Dave, which we'll come to later in the podcast, it's already up to about 60, 70 comments. And this is after a few hours. So uh, very popular around the site. It, it does seem to perennially one of the things that generates a, a lot of discussion. I think perhaps because it's obviously a, a subjective area, but also it's one of the things that has been a, a key differentiator in hardware terms. So we've yeah. had more and more smartphones that are the same. It's been an area of difference. So a little bit of news on that later. But I, I guess we could uh, start with some Microsoft software updates, Steve. Yes, yes. There's there's two things. Um, one is that the glance screen um, has been updated. This is the method of having always on time, date, notifications, and so forth. Um, we saw this in beta, actually, uh, back in the summer. They, uh, the, the Nokia Beta Labs, or whatever they now call them <laughs> under Microsoft, are uh, showing that the ability to use a, a photograph or a graphic of some kind as a background image. We saw this back in the Symbian days with a Nokia sleeping screen, and that's now come to Windows Phone. And presumably, it was enough of a success that they actually incorporated it into the production version of Glance Screen, which is built into quite a number of the, uh, the Nokia Lumis. And that was now that appeared as an update in the Windows Phone store. You can't you can't search the store for glance screen anymore. It actually is part of the firmware, but the updates appear in the store, which is a trifle confusing. But the the upshot is you can select a by default black and white. I think there's a color option as well where it kind of subdues the image and obviously uses a bit more power, I would guess, certainly on AMOLED screens. But the system works really well. If you look at the photograph in my uh, news story, Rafe, and I think that's quite an effective look. If you've got a, a special a special, you know, loved one or a new baby in the family or something like that, to have it always there, always on your phone screen without really using uh, noticeably more power, I think is a a really good move. So I was very pleased to see this, and you'll have to forgive forgive my slight snark at the Lumia 930 yet again. Sorry about that. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I kind of agree with that snark. I mean, it's the same with the uh, Lumia 735 and all, kind of not surprising on the low-end handsets. As we've mentioned before on the 930, it's actually down to the lack of a particular component. In this case, it's uh, display memory as we understand it. Um, it means it's never likely to get it and we're not going to see a workaround. We did speculate whether it might be possible to sort of switch it on for, you know, a little bit of time or in response to something hovering over the camera or the light sensor or something like that. But no, that, that hasn't proved to be the case. Um, I will say for all of these images, you do need to select quite carefully one that will work well on the glance screen. It, it, it kind of needs a bit of contrast or something like that. And also, obviously, it's going to be dependent on whether you've got one of those 
background set automatically personally on, on a lot of my devices i use the bing image of the day because i kind of like having something new each day so i guess it depends how you've chosen to personalize your device but it, it's it's nice to see this come back in um you know and it is very clever technology and it certainly offers a real sense of personalization that you don't really see on any other device in quite the same way as far as i can think of for this kind of glance screen technology obviously having a custom lock screen wallpaper is fairly common but there's something quite nice about it sitting on the desk showing off uh, whatever your favorite picture happens to be Uh, personally i'm actually far more happy about being able to see the the live weather on my uh, glance screen which is something i have set up on my my 8 30 kind of useful information um but i I probably shouldn't say that when steve's got an angelic picture on his glance screen (laughs) i should say that uh, in addition to setting your own custom photo what will be really useful if they actually integrated that into the Bing image of a day, which you mentioned there, which are, they usually produce some fairly stunning photos out of the Bing team. And it will be kind of nice to have the option to use that as your glance screen Absolutely. background. At the moment, that's not there. I suspect that will come because that's a logical thing to integrate. And I suspect it's probably not too hard either. Yeah, I guess it's one of the things that I'd need to add to the selection properties for the Bing image of the day to make sure it yeah. looks decent on a phone. I actually listened a while back to the team talk about how they chose those images and a lot more thought goes into making sure it works across all kinds of different devices than you you might think because of course that being image of the day is used as a kind of full background wallpaper on some desktop machines it's used in the background image obviously of uh, bing.com and various other search properties and of course on windows phone devices all of which have sort of different aspect ratios and different elements to look at and different screen properties and all that kind of thing um and obviously there's quite a search involved in getting the right image and they obviously have to get all the rights for it so there's actually a mini team uh, sitting over in seattle that deals with that sort of thing and i have to say on the whole they do a pretty amazing job i really like seeing something uh, a different pop up all the time it's kind of sad that in a way that uh, the advent of cortana means it's less visible in some ways on the system because of course it's you know not on that search screen anymore and so uh, that's one of the reasons i have it set actually on my uh, lock screen wallpaper because i do get to see it each day that way but uh, yeah agreed there, there's still room for updates on glance screen more generally i'd like to see it just tied in a little bit better i guess it's one of those technologies that got added on and we first we had things like the lock screen icons come in and then we've had the weather information come in there's actually an sdk for it at microsoft or other as it then was nokia created that and they've been using it internally hence the kind of the bing weather integration and or i guess i should call it msn weather now to give it its proper name the weather app from Microsoft. I suspect they will open it up to third parties at some future date, and I think that'll be really interesting to see what third-party developers can come up with as well. Imagine we'd see many more weather apps, but also who knows what creativity can spring from that kind of thing. Certainly think of what uh, the developers have done with some of Nokia's imaging SDKs in the last sort of 36 months. So kind of would be excited to see that. Maybe something to look forward to at um, MWC next year. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to go down too much of a rat hole on the, the 9.30, but just very briefly, I, I can see why they haven't uh, in- included some kind of special peak mode for the 9.30 um, for glance screen within the glance screen application, because it's obviously using using the screen in a totally different way. But you can see there's a possibility there. Maybe a third party could do something that kind of uh, runs in the background. I guess it's better to have it integrated into the OS that actually you know detects the ambient light sensor, detects the proximity sensor, and on the 9.30 and 9.30 alone, you know, 
can 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 operate in a peak mode whereby you wave your hand and this information pops to the surface uh, over the top of the lock screen uh, I, maybe i'm asking too much i can see it should be possible and it's just frustrating that microsoft doesn't see the need but the 930 is their flagship and i, I would have thought that someone somewhere would at least have asked that question I guess someone probably has asked the question because it is a fairly obvious thing. I mean, we speculated back when we first saw that the 930 didn't have it, they might use something like that. We've seen no evidence of it, and certainly some of the conversations I've had basically said, yeah, we've kind of looked into various solutions, but it just wasn't possible. So I guess at this point it probably isn't going to happen. But given that the 930, as you say, is a flagship and probably is going to remain that way at least for a little while longer, I think maybe longer than some people are expecting, um, (laughs) Yeah, I, I would have loved to see it. And I think it's, you know, one of the big reasons that actually the 830 is kind of my preferred device at the moment. Yeah, longer than some people were expecting. Now, you think you've been reading my mind of my editorial for Thursday, <laughs> Ray, but let's, let's not do that yet. No. Anyway, um, Gestures Beta was the other um, bit of software that Microsoft released. There's a nice little promo video, which I'm sure you've watched by now. We've seen this kind of idea before, Ray, that in the video they show a guy taking a phone call and just putting the phone the Lumia on a table and the accelerometer te- detects the fact it's no longer being carried by a human, that it's flat on a surface and automatically switches the speakerphone mode, which is nice. You then flip the phone if you want it to then mute your end of the, of the um, conversation. You then flip it back over, the mute comes off, you then pick it up and the speakerphone comes off. So all nice ideas. We've seen elements of this already using the accelerometer and using some of the sensors on the phones it built into Windows Phone. We've also seen similar speci- um, functionality on, for example, the Samsung phones over on Android. So th- these are not totally new ideas, but it's 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 good to know a that uh, the, the functionality has been implemented on Windows Phone by Microsoft, and b that we now have a good track record in the glance screen, knowing that stuff that appears in beta labs stands a very 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 good chance of appearing in production firmware in two or three months later. Yeah, I think you're spot on here. I think it's sort of something that's being trialed and a, a good way to get it onto plenty of devices to release it as a beta like this. As you say, there's nothing particularly new here. Uh, I think probably the combination of having all of them on one device is new in that it hasn't been done on a Windows phone device, um, particularly the speaker mode, uh, as far as I recall. I mean, if we go back, I think HTC was the first to put this on their Windows Phone 7 devices. Uh, but I can remember when one of the first phones to have an accelerometer was the Nokia N95, a, a Symbian device. And actually, it was third-party software that enabled this kind of uh, accelerometer use to answer calls or sort of to go into silent mode. And it was kind of a flip to silent third-party application. Uh, it's kind of an example of the way things change. That it's pretty hard to do that on Windows Phone. You have to wait for the manufacturer or for the platform provider, Microsoft in this case, to do it. And there are a lot of apps that kind of do this kind of functionality on the Android device. And let's say uh, HTC had it on their Android devices quite a few years ago. Um, and obviously we do get it on some of the things like Apple and the BlackBerry devices as well. But uh, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see this enter as one of the settings mini apps in a future version of Windows Phone. It wouldn't surprise me terribly if it's kind of in, in one of the kind of updates. This is the sort of thing that Microsoft um, has previously left up to the manufacturers. Um, Nokia has delivered it on various Windows Phone devices, I think going right back to the Lumia 800 even. Um, and so, yes, it's kind of, it, it's, it's to me one that feels like it should go into the platform because pretty much every phone will have an accelerometer. 
and there may be some tuning required for individual phones depending on what exact component is being used um but the kind of once you start using it flip to silent is one of those things that you think ah it's absolutely fantastic because you see a call coming in and rather than having to press anything just turn the phone over on the table and it works if, if you're not using it you won't really understand the fuss about it um but once you have it you certainly don't want to do without it much like glance screen i should say yeah, yeah. So the, the, good to see this gestures uh, beta and have these extra uses for the proximity sensor and the accelerometer. And uh, I, I also get the feeling that it's just the very the tip of the iceberg and that Microsoft have plenty other ideas, things they could do with the phone being aware of how it's being carried, how it's being used. So uh, watch this space. And um, by the way, Rafe, I, I haven't listened to the 361 Degrees podcast, plug, plug. Um, <laughs> I, and having mentioned Symbian between us two or three times already in this podcast, is there a Rafe Blanford bingo card for this podcast? Yeah, it's probably mentioning things like Symbian talking for too long and not letting Steve get a, a word in edgeways and mentioning uh, phones of times past uh, yeah. and then sort of mis- misnaming Microsoft Nokia or Nokia Microsoft as the case may be uh, and talking about sensors or some esoteric subject too much. So pretty sure you've already had a full house on, on the bingo card. But yeah, you, you're right about, you know, using the accelerator for more things. I was reading a, a fascinating academic paper recently where by you can actually detect things like whether people are smoking cigarettes. And in this case, it was actually having a wearable on your dominant wrist. And you know, obviously you can detect when you're holding your hand up and things like that. But there's a lot of potential for doing more intelligent things with the sensors and phones. We've seen uh, both Google and Apple look into how you can use the accelerometer and other sensors in the phone to work out whether you're walking, you're running, you're driving, even whether you're on a train or things like that to kind of do intelligence around uh, people's movements and working out where and what they're doing. Of course, you combine that with the data that's stored in the phone as well, be that in the calendar or potentially contact and other sort of databases that sit on the phone in a standard way. You can actually build up a pretty accurate picture of what people are up to, what they're doing. And that's obviously a goldmine of information for then making intelligent decisions about what people might be doing next. And so this is where all the predictive software with things like Google Now, but also on the Microsoft side of things, Cortana come in. And if you can then persuade people to add to that data, which is what the Cortana notebook is all about, you can then make quite intelligent predictions about what they're going to do uh, with obviously the idea that the phone starts doing things for you before you know you need to do them. And that that's, I think, a very powerful tool. And a lot of it comes out of the sensors. Um, and, you know, obviously those accelerometer sensors are something that came out of the Nokia Research Center Labs all going back quite a long time now, I think 10 plus years, uh, with the N95 being one of the, the first devices to get them. And now they're kind of just an accepted standard component in pretty much every single smartphone. I don't think I can think of a single smartphone that doesn't have that particular sensor. You know, they used to cost something like $5 to put into a phone, maybe even more. And I think now it's down to just a handful of cents, um, maybe a little more than that, but certainly expectation. It's the simple stuff like automatic screen rotation, the stuff that kind of interests me is, can you start linking that up to people's behavior in the real world? So, um, yeah, that's probably one of the bingo cards fill in with a, a long waffle uh, on the sidetrack, Steve. Ah, yes. No, no, Rafe. Can you tell me what do these, these two things have in common? Um, Netflix and error code Q8156-887A0004. I, I, I'm sort of looking into my crystal ball and I think it's to do with frustration in the Litchfield household that doesn't happen here because there's yeah. only one of me. Yeah, so basically, uh, Netflix has had a complete rewrite for Windows Phone. I thought, yes, Woo-hoo. this is the one everybody's been waiting for. It's got user profiles as on every other mobile platform. So my watching doesn't get confused with my wife's or my daughter's. They're all kept totally separate. Wonderful. 
and the whole app set of UI facelift in that's really nice. It closely follows the iPhone and Android versions. It's also got a, a more useful live tile and it's got Cortana integration. What's not to love? apart from the fact it doesn't work at all on Lumia Denim. Now, I should mention this, the, the Netflix client, the new version 4, it works absolutely perfectly on all my other devices, running Lumia Cyan and even the Windows Phone 8.1 Update 1. But on the uh, the Lumia 830, of course, which is a Lumia Denim, um, it just crashes and burns every time you try and play anything. So I can you believe that such a wonderful update has been released by such a major corporation in conjunction with Microsoft, and they didn't even bother to test it on Lumia Denim, which is the latest and greatest version of the OS? Well, that does does surprise me. I, it, I wonder if there's something else on the 830 that's upsetting it or whether it really is down to Lumia Denim. You wouldn't expect um, a third-party application to to get that upset. But uh, just to make it clear to people, user profile means that you can each have your own set of recommendations. So Steve's daughter will be very pleased that she's no longer getting uh, recommendations for My Little Pony and Care Bears, which Steve spends all his time watching. <laughs> or, or is that the wrong way around, maybe? Anyway, it's, it's, I, I did hear lots of other people with the same problem as me on, on the 735 as well as the uh, 830. So it, it does yeah. seem to be a Lumia denim thing. Yeah, surely, surely, someone is frantically coding a fix as we speak, and oh. I've been checking at the Windows Phone store all day. Uh, looking for updates, hoping they're going to fix it sooner rather than later, because I, I can't do without my fix of Netflix. Yeah, I, I, they must do, because those are two really high-profile devices, especially as we head into the second half of the year. It's coming available in more and more markets. We've seen um, 735 and 830s available for some really fantastic prices here in the UK. We've both been saying they're kind of the two devices that we pick out as the ones ones to really think about buying this season. I mean, there's always going to be more devices on the horizon. But of course, we're also going to see Denim rolling out to a whole bunch of other devices. We've been kind of expecting it to happen for a few weeks now. Um, Microsoft has said a couple of times that it will start before Christmas. I do remember something similar getting said about, I think it was uh, Amber, or it may have been the Black Update in previous years, and it sort of turned out to come out on the 23rd of December, which just qualified as before Christmas, but it was <laughs> only one model in the US, one variant, and most of it then happened in the new year. But I do remember frantically writing an update before uh, while I was trying to find time to wrap up presents and do everything else, sort of uh, make the sausage rolls and you know, peel the potatoes and everything else. So hopefully they'll give us a few more days this year, and hopefully it'll be a bit more a general release but do keep an eye on that. that that's due to arrive but i guess the message would be uh, don't upgrade to it if you're using netflix on your windows phone device or at least the most recent version yes indeed yes because of course the old netflix client worked fine on the 830 you're running at lumia denim but uh <laughs> so it'll keep popping up in the store you ought to keep ignoring it i'm um, also updated this week just very briefly i know this is a cl- client and application close to your heart rafe OneDrive has been had its uh, UI facelifted yet again. They've, they've kind of backpedaled on some of the Androidifications, if I can use that word, they put into the last update. So many people complained. They have actually made it a bit more of a pivot view, a bit more Windows phony. Um, I think they've done a very good job. I, I like the look of the app, uh, OneDrive application. Now I like the, the four tabs you swipe between. The new tab that they put in is a photos view where it basically um, tries to f- find images in all your OneDrive folders and then present them in a... a and a list, a thumbnailed list, sorted by the time and date on each indi- individual photograph. So it's a nice idea. Of course, they've done that on the phone and things like Lumia Storyteller. So I guess this is a kind of a cloud version of that. It's nice to have it there. It kind of takes a long time to build the thumbnail list on my OneDrive, which has currently many thousands of photographs. So it's all rather cumbersome. But it's a nice update, Rafe, and I'm guessing you updated on, on moment one. 
I, I did. I've actually got my apps to update automatically, which sounds a bit dangerous given what's happening uh, in the Netflix <laughs> situation. But honestly, I, I can't be bothered to go through updating all my applications one by one in a kind of a manual process. So I was rather surprised when I opened OneDrive up today to find that everything had changed. As you say, that these kind of new tabs make it feel uh, a bit more like Windows Phone. I mean, there's still a, a burger menu, which feels a little bit out of place on Windows Phone. Uh, I guess they're trying to go for some cross-platform consistency. We've kind of talked about our views on that in the past, but it does feel more consistent with the website where the photos view is something I use quite a bit to kind of get back quickly to see some pictures I've taken recently. And I do occasionally add things to OneDrive other than through the sort of automatic Windows Phone upload. And so that's that's nice to have. And uh, like Steve, I've yeah, I think I've got something in the order of 30 gigabytes of photos now in my OneDrive, just in the camera roll and then various others um, from other locations, from kind of standalone cameras or that I've copied across manually from non-Windows phone or non-automatically uploading devices. Um, and so, yes, it can be a bit slow. There's definitely a, a performance issue uh, around some of that. Um, but yes, all, all in all, it's actually a really nice update. And uh, it's one of the essentials on my phone because actually it's, it's the way I get things in different files between my various different devices. Moving on, Rafe, to something I absolutely detest, but we've got to mention it anyway. <laughs> now, imagine if you will, um, a, a group full of geniuses got in one room for a week and they say, right, you've got to de- devise the most Machiavellian, perfect way of generating money from a computer game on a mobile phone. They would come up with something very close to Candy Crush Saga. Um, it seems as every, the whole gameplay, the whole mechanics of how you buy things, acquire things, get given goals, um, boosters, and social um, social requests to get you onto the next level, social requests to share your scores, everything is perfectly, absolutely perfectly pitched for the developers. <laughs> the user, of course, if they really get into it, is also perfectly pitched for them. And they can, get, they can use up tens of hours, if not hundreds of hours, and not unusually tens of pounds or dollars or hundreds of pounds or dollars in having fun in playing along with the developers. But it just seems to be too much of a tango between this, this incredible freemium machine and users who are really rather getting addicted to, to a, a game which is really rather simple, just a simple match three and swiping backwards and forwards. The thing is, the question I want to ask you, Mr. Rafe Bland, for this, am I being too too grumpy here? Am I being too much of a, a Christmas Scrooge, or shall I let the Candy Crush fans have their day? I think you might be being a bit of a curmudgeon, Steve. And I, honestly, I think it reflects the length of time you've been around the mobile industry, because I'm sure you can remember these type of games being available on the, the Cyan Palm Tops and even kind of earlier PDAs than that. And, you know, a lot of the time they were free or it was just a one-off fee. And now, admittedly, they become a little bit more, you know, colourful. There's more music around them. But actually, the basic game playing principle hasn't really changed that much. I mean, I guess they're more suited to people uh, who like bright colours and have a short attention span. I'm I'm trying not to be too dismissive of it (laughs) because I do actually, I have played it myself. I I quite enjoy it, but I'm not so addicted to it that I feel the need to go for these in-app purchases in order to kind of get the, onto the next level. And you're right. I mean, it's using ever such, you know, kind of textbook psychology basically to addict people and then say oh you know if you if you want to play just a few more levels you can pay this amount and it feels like quite a small fee but of course you do that over the course of a significant length of time and yeah it certainly can add up to quite significant amounts of money i was speaking to someone 
oh, a few months back who said they reckon they'd spent about 50 or 60 pounds on, on Candy Crush. And if you actually look into the numbers and the developers, King, have actually released the numbers on this, some people spend considerably more than that. They do go on to point out that about 90% of people play it for free without any ever actually putting in-app purchasing. But because this has been downloaded by millions of people, even the relatively low conversion figure of around 10% still means that they're actually making a lot of money. As you say, this is kind of the, the perfect example of license to print money. You, you see it in mainstream TV advertising. I think it candy crash along with angry birds. Uh, it's one of those things that has kind of caught on in the popular imagination. And uh, I had a very depressing conversation with someone. I, I told them I worked in mobile. And so they said to me, oh, you mean you do things like Candy Crush and stuff? And I just, my heart sort of died a little bit inside as that's what associated with doing stuff with mobile phones was, you know, in, in terms of kind of <laughs> app development and strategy. But uh, anyway, I, I think perhaps you're being a little bit on the grumpy side, Steve. I mean, I'm sure if you go away and have your fix playing it, you're, you'll soon cheer up and uh, I mean, if it's good enough for the British parliamentary MPs to play during a, a boring committee meeting, <laughs> uh, I'm sure it's good enough for you to cheer up a little bit. Well, I'll, I'll <laughs> stick to Stickman Soccer, which I plugged in the previous podcast. Go and look at the link to that. I still think that's an incredibly well-pitched casual game and it's only a pound or so to remove the ads and that's a one-off fee. So Stickman Soccer still gets my recommendation. Anyway, moving on, um, that we don't normally comment on leaks and rumours, but this one did actually pass through the FCC and a bit of detective work by another site, which we linked to in the story, has caused me to write about the Lumia 435, which we think is going to be announced in the next couple of weeks. I was rather surprised to see this, Rafe. I wrote up the um, the, the story as a, an editorial and a table showing how the supposed specs of the, the Lumia 435 compare to all the other budget offerings. And I actually put them in sort of a numeric order showing how Microsoft's new Lumia range would look. And the 435 looks to have virtually the same specification as the existing 530, um, which lends, you think, well, well, why release the 435 at all? And I guess it, this is literally down to the num- the product number. Uh, you mentioned in the 361 Degrees uh, podcast, I think Ewan mentioned on his um, blog post today, that you that chose the name 361 because it's one better than everybody else. <laughs> and you, again, playing the numbers game, maybe Nokia is, is or Microsoft here are thinking, well, the, the, there is the 530, but we want to signify that we want to go to even the, the next lower level to also reach people who are used to, for example, the feature phones more. We want to have something that's demonstrably lower end in its name so we can say, right, this is going to come out. It's whatever. It's £50, uh, it's, it's SIM-free, it's £25, £29 on pairs. You go really, really low end um, across the world, and it's got a new lower number series, four, three, starting with 4435, four, and this will be cheaper than the 530. It may actually not be that much lower spec, but it will be see, enable them to produce something that looks cheaper and is cheaper and will hopefully get them extra market share. Yeah, I think you've summarised that very well. I mean, with all of these kind of pricing and positioning things, it's as much about the uh, kind of stretching the way it's seen in the market and the way you position the device as it is sometimes about the components. I mean, we talked about this before with some of the Snapdragon 400 devices. I mean, there are a few ways you can cut costs on the 530. You can change the radio technology, for example, and maybe not have so many bands and then pay lower, uh, lower license fees. But I mean, we're talking about very small amounts of money in that case. And it's not like the difference between 3G and 4G, where there is actually quite a significant patent and licensing burden between something like the 730 and the 735. Um, 
you could also cut down on the materials a little bit potentially it's hard to see how the um, 530 screen could really get that much worse and still be a usable <laughs> device if i'm if i'm completely <laughs> honest um but I, I guess you know there are a few uh, bits of specification that be cut i mean the other thing to remember here of course is that um the 530 now, I, I kind of hesitate to say this, is a sort of older device now. It has been around a, a little while. And particularly at the low end of the market, things are moving so quickly that even a difference of a six months can actually kind of make a difference in the pricing. And so, you know, you could kind of just cut the price of the 530 or you could launch a new device, which is effectively a variant of the 530 and call it something that fills out your kind of naming scheme and your kind of spread of devices a little bit more. I mean, it's it's hard to see that there's going to be that much of a price difference. We're talking maybe 10% at most. So, you know, in the UK, we're talking about maybe as little as a, a five ROF, but that could make a bigger difference in kind of the Indian market, particularly if it gets below the uh, uh, 4,000 uh, rupee level. You know, that's what we've kind of the speculation has been around for this uh, 435 device. Uh, but it's interesting that I've seen a couple of other manufacturers effectively do this by launching a device and then six months later launching a follow-up device which is basically just a variant and sometimes it's kind of a cellular radio variant you know as i say uh, 3g to 4g or slightly different bands or sometimes the processor inside is just updated a little bit or there's some other small difference which uh, has been as a result of the component market moving uh, HTC's actually done this with their desire line in the kind of the, the 600 series they've done it a couple of times now um, and actually it's almost as if you sort of go we can update this after six months because at that low end of the price market it actually will make a difference because it may only be 10 percent, but it's so cutthroat so competitive that you just doing that little tweak can make a difference and so i wonder whether the lumia 435 is going to be in that mold i think the other thing we should probably throw into the mix here in terms of thinking about why this has happened is there was the Nokia X series, which was Nokia's Android powered, a, a, a kind of quasi smartphone, or it was sort of replacement for their Series 40 high end feature phones. Um, obviously, that's been uh, shuffled off. It wasn't really unexpected given that Microsoft bought the company. But there was always this plan to have a few devices sitting between the really basic Series 40 and even, even more basic kind of Series 30 and the entry level uh, one, 100 series and the Windows phone devices. And they talked about a couple more models coming along. And when Microsoft bought the company, bought, bought Nokia's device and service division, they said they were going to repurpose some of those devices into Windows phone. So I think the 435 is actually probably one of those. Um, and yes, actually the spec is incredibly similar to 530. We said, said that about the, the Nokia X and the X plus, um, when it came out and the X2, uh, actually the internals really aren't very different. And uh, there are some cost cutting measures on the materials and things like that, but it's as much as anything, as you said about filling in a little bit of a gap in the market. And when you see that the Android phones are, are, are reaching that price point and below, they do kind of need another one. I, I don't see this as something that's going to be readily available in Western markets. It will probably be in targeted to markets like India, maybe Indonesia and some of the uh, other Asian markets, potentially Africa as well. Uh, but I think in the UK, we can probably continue to expect to see the 530 to be the bottom. In the, uh, and honestly, in most cases, it's the uh, 630. Um, while we're talking about these low-end devices, I do just want to mention the 535, which I saw in, in, in person for the first time last week. And 
for those that don't know, it's basically looked like a 630, 635 and has a very similar styling and kind of feel in the hand to that. And so actually it's definitely a step up from the 530, which feels a bit cheaper. It's sort of more of a rounded plastic tub in the hand versus something that feels, you know, actually I wouldn't, wouldn't ever call it premium, but it's sort of solid and dependable and feels like it's sort of a, a bit better built. It, it's also quite heavy. I was kind of surprised by that. But if you're kind of trying to decide between the 530 and the 535, I would definitely go for the 535, not just for the kind of the extra screen size and the better quality screen and the extra RAM, but just the, to the design, that kind of X factor around it, that eh, the kind of feel in the hand. Um, and given that the price difference is likely to be uh, relatively small, particularly in the UK, maybe £10, it's, it's definitely going to be an upgrade if you don't want to go for the 630 or whatever, which is probably going to be another 10 or £15. Um, so, sorry, long-winded answer there, Steve, but uh, I did manage to at least get on to another subject. I can't believe we had, didn't snap last the, the 535 as a review unit. Uh, I did my best, but uh, we should have one on our, in our hands very soon. Okay, I'm looking forward to reviewing that. It does look like an outstanding spec for the the value, uh, in, indeed. Now, moving on, um, in the past, we have been reviewing, obviously, the Nokia camera phones, um, specifically the 808 in the Symbian world and the Lumia 1020, specifically in the Windows phone world. Uh, the original original PureView concept, oversampling, 41 megapixel underlying sensor, blah, 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 Xenon flash. And it's been, it really has been a case of shock and awe in terms of the comparisons. And I, you know full well that when I was comparing the Lumia 1020, for example, to device X or device Y, device y you knew what the, the result was going to be before you even started writing it. And it's just a question of by how much would it win? Would it win? By, by what, what size was the, the margin of victory? And I, I use the word supremacy in my article to, uh, today, um, implying that the age of supremacy for Nokia imaging, I guess now Microsoft imaging, is actually, I would argue, is over because what we've been used to for the last 10 years is, is that that margin of victory has been there. Okay, it might be 30% better, 50% better, 100% better, but it's always significantly better. And I've been testing the Galaxy Note 4, which is uh, Samsung's latest tablet, which has an astonishing camera. It's only a 1 over 2.6 inch optical format sensor, so it's a uh, it's quite a bit smaller than the Lumia 1020s, but the, it's amazing how much technology is marching on it. And uh, the, the way I, could, I think about it is the Lumia 1020, for all its what the wonderfulness of the pure view oversampling system and the clever software, uh, the clever electronics, it's still using a, a BSI backside illuminated sensor from probably the 2011 time frame. And by the time they had it integrated in the phone, it was 2012 in the 1020s release. So we're looking at a three-year-old sensor in those three years, the competition hasn't been standing still. Not necessarily the manufacturers of the phones, but the people who actually make the phone sensors. And the, Sam, uh, the Samsung Galaxy Note 4 uses uh, a Sony sensor, uh, and it's, it's obviously a very latest-gen 2014 sensor, and it's, it's so much more sensitive and produces so much more uh, information with, with reduced noise. You can't help but wonder, really, if, if, if Nokia were to reimagine the 1020 with a 2014-class sensor, uh, how much better the performance could be. But in my tests, and I've done this in, in two features, comparing the Note 4 camera with the Lumia 930, and now one test with your your nice little uh, JavaScript comparator, comparing the Note 4 to the Lumia 1020. And and the the, the 9, 930 kind of held its own against the Note 4, um, perhaps a, a bit below, a bit above, depending on which sort of... Um, coloration we you prefer and we did cover this in last week's podcast i think but the 1020 
I would I would argue overall d- does produce superior images to the Note 4 camera, especially over all all light conditions, all use cases, all scenarios. But the margin of victory is tiny, far smaller than I thought it would be. Uh, even doing things like um, uh, digital zooming, which I thought, well, the 1020 has got the lossless zoom. Of course, it's going to be better. Note the Note 4 seems to use its sensor incredibly well and interpolate between the pixels incredibly well. And I really could not tell the difference sometimes in terms of detail between the two devices. When shooting video, again, I thought, well, a 1020 is good. It's got more mature OIS. It's a much bigger sensor. Um, and it's got the, you know, the, the true intelligent digital zoom. It'll, it'll produce better video. Note, the Note 4 also does intelligent digital zoom into a 16 megapixel sensor. So if you're shooting 1080p video, um, again, it produces a stunning job. And again, I will be pushed to decide whether, which footage was better. So my contention in the editorial, and it's had quite a bit of comment already, was that the, the age of uh, Nokia imaging supremacy is over. Yes, the 1020 and even the 808 may still be slightly ahead, in my, in my opinion, for some situations. But we certainly can't claim that to have that uh, huge, uh, massive margin of victory that we've had for the last uh, 10 years or so. Yeah, it's interesting. I read this article and a lot of the comments with interest because I thought it was rather a bold statement that you were making. <laughs> I sort of agree with you in the sense, absolutely, I think the uh, Note 4 looks like it's caught up with the, the 1020 and certainly the 930 in terms of those results. I do think imaging is about more than just that, though. And I would still say that the kind of the, the Microsoft imaging, it's obviously come from Nokia, is superior in terms of the actual camera software itself. And I think it'll be interesting to talk about this again when we have got the latest update to Lumia camera that's yeah. kind of scheduled to arrive any time now. And I think that <laughs> will, will, will push the kind of the software side of the Lumia camera further ahead. And it was something I felt, you know, they had with the 808 and then they really improved it when Nokia Pro camera appeared. And it'll be interesting to see if they can sort of push that ahead. The hardware thing was kind of inevitable. I remember when the 1020 first came out, we talked about how, how far ahead it was, and we sort of described it as being a generational leap. That perhaps was maybe a misnomer in the sense it was ahead because it was a bigger, you know, optical sensor size and the actual format of it. Um, but it was using technology that was kind of of that age. It just was sort of upscaling everything, and that's how it achieved the supremacy. And actually, it's pretty much how... And Nokia had done it with the older devices, the A to A, the N82, and going further back. What's interesting is it's taken sort of the, that two or three years for, if you like, that standard technology to catch up with that go large strategy, um, and that's what I feel that the kind of the Note 4 did. And to a lesser extent, I actually feel that the 930 and the 1520 did the same thing to the, the 1020 and to the A to Now, I think both the 1020 and the A to are still ahead in a lot of situations because. Um, having that extra pixel count will make a different in a difference in certain situations. But certainly, I, I sort of agree with your thesis that in you know most situations for the average consumer, it's going to be very hard to pick out the two. And uh, you know, we're going to come back to the argument we had in the podcast last week about you know uh, color accuracy and saturation. There's some great comments actually in the story about this, yeah. including from someone who uh, worked for Kodak and talked about how there was a decision to do more natural processing, but how Kodak and Fujifilm in the past have said people tend to prefer saturated colors for most of their photos unless you're taking a picture of a person. You know, so there's all of that kind of you know argument that will continue to go on. 
I personally prefer the way that Microsoft are doing it to the way that Samsung are doing it. Um, other people are going to find something different. And I think actually the irony of this situation is if you look at the photos without any reference to what the original subject was, you will probably prefer the Samsung photos. But of course, if you, you take them and this is where you kind of have to trust Steve's word on things, um, they're more accurate or true to life. And I think for me and for a lot of others, that, that's what is the, the preferred, you know, output. But you have to kind of be kind of impressed that things have come so far. And we've talked, you know, very much about it on the hardware side there. So we're probably worth pointing out that a lot of it's also on the software side. Um, it, there are so many, you know, factors and variants involved. You know, it's kind of one of those situations where there's covariance, where it's actually difficult to pick out what's responsible for each thing unless you're an expert and know exactly how that imaging stack is put together. If you go and talk to the various experts from Samsung and from Microsoft, they'll be able to point out where the improvements come from. But in general, there's been a pretty much quite a, a big leap forward, I would say, in the last few years in processing. Samsung had the longest distance to travel there and it feels like they've really put a lot of effort in in the last two years if i compare the camera in something like the samsung s2 to you know the s5 and you you similarly do it for the note and the note 4 now it really is a massive leap ahead and part of that yeah they have improved the actual quality of the camera components not as much as you might expect an awful lot of it has come from the improved uh, image processing and kind of the way they interpret the data throughout the imaging stack and uh, it, it's hard to actually really appreciate that because of course you don't get one with the old algorithm the old software on it you just have to kind of look at it and have a judgment about how much is down to uh, processing and how much is down to, to hardware and of course it's not quite as simple as dividing the two in half. They do um, interact and play into each other. But I think it will be interesting to see um, how this develops going forward. I think that the Nokia imaging teams that have now become part of Microsoft will continue to have an edge because they've got more experience. Um, and I think Apple are the only ones that really match them. And that's been reflected in the praise that the iPhone camera has received. They've gone down pretty different routes in terms of achieving things. Um, it looks, as we talked about in a previous podcast, that um, Microsoft are kind of shying away from the 1020 style super camera and rather, you know, trying to do more with less, if you like. And that's what the 930 and the 830 have been all about. And honestly, given the diminishing returns on that go large strategy that the 808 and the 1020 are all about, it does kind of make sense. But now as a result, they are playing in a more competitive pond. You know, yeah. they, they, they haven't got something that sets them apart on the hardware side that kind of gives them this inbuilt advantage. And so they're going to have to work harder to stand out. Um, I'd love to see what they've got up their sleeves. This rich capture, I think, will make a difference. Um, I think, of course, also there are all the other components around imaging, how the actual, you know, everything from the hardware button on the camera capture to the way the software actually works to what you do with the images afterwards. And actually, honestly, iOS and Android have an advantage because there's so many third-party applications. But of course, most people just use the default built-in applications. And that that quality of the Nokia Pro camera, which has now become Lumia camera, I think maybe will stand out a little bit more. So imaging supremacy at an end that's quite a bold statement, Steve. I, I, I kind of would like to think there's actually 
a little bit more still there. I will absolutely agree it's become a much, much closer uh, battle. And in pure hardware terms, yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's very hard to pick out the two. And certainly if you look through Steve's latest set of comparisons, you sort of go, yeah, that that, that is a bit of a step change. Um, so, yeah, no, maybe it's a fair point. I'm sort of arguing with myself here. I, I guess I, <laughs> I'm do, doing an impression of the comment fee below the article where there is a, 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 yeah. a bit of a ding-dong back and forth. Um, yeah. But it, it, is that a fair summary, Steve, that, you know, you were looking more at the hardware side where it does feel like, you know, they've caught up with that kind of three-year-old technology just by developing, you know, as you say, the sensors. And there's also, of course, that software side to it. And yeah, that, that's where the battle's going to be, isn't it? Yeah, there's, there's actually one extra component which you haven't mentioned, which I think is probably relevant here, is that even when compiling my table of the budget smartphones, if you remember, there was actually a section there where I was looking at GPU used in the chipset. And of course, as these smartphones of each generation has come on, they've used more and more advanced GPUs capable, capable of handling more and more um, graphical transactions per second, if you like. And the GPUs are used fairly heavily, I believe, by the, the cameras in these different smartphones. So, for example, the, the Galaxy Note 4, in addition to taking these 16 megapixel images, which are pretty darn good, if you hold the, the shutter icon down, you can take 30 of them within about two or three seconds, all at that same quality, at the incredible speed. And if you think back to the Nokia 808 or Symbian, I mean, that was doing something of a similar speed, but using a, a completely custom processor, whereas these devices are doing it with more or less off-the-shelf chipsets. And as you say, then you've got, add to that the more sensitive sensors, add to that improved image processing algorithms, and you end up with a, something that really has caught up with where Nokia were a couple of years ago. And because of Microsoft buying Nokia, I, th I do believe there's been a loss of momentum because of the change of vision that they don't want to go down the, you know, the go large strategy. Again, there's been a bit of a loss of momentum. I think we probably will see another imaging powerhouse at some point after Windows 10 is matured, um, perhaps uh, later in 2015. But that's a, a big old gap to fill. And that's partly going to be the subject of my editorial on thursday so do watch out for that if you're listening to this and just a word final word on the um 1020 versus the uh, uh note 4 which of course is a phablet and um, if i can use that word and you say well they're not they're not comparing like with with like steve but the that same camera in the note 4 you can bet your bottom dollar exactly the same unit or even an improved version will be in the galaxy s6 which will be launched in about two or three months time and that really will be um, the same form factor as devices like the 930 and the Windows Phone competition. So I think certainly that camera will be on a like-for-like -like basis within a few months. So hopefully my editorial anyway was edit entertaining. Hopefully it was thought-provoking. And do have your say in the comments, as lots of people already have. Yeah. We're out of, yeah, we're out of time, Rafe. Is it possible to bring this to a close by wishing everyone a happy Christmas and saying that we'll try and do something um, before the new year, before you fly off to, to, to is it Vegas this year? Yes, I'll be attending uh, CES, so I'm expecting to see a whole bunch of new uh, smartphones and wearables and gadgets there. Uh, we're not necessarily expecting big news from Microsoft, but I suspect it may be an opportunity to see some of these new Windows phone manufacturers exhibiting their wares, and so I'll be able to report back on, on some of that. But yes, it's absolutely uh, time to wish people Happy Christmas and all the best for the new year as well. We're probably going to have a little bit of a, a gap over the holiday period but we will be back uh, in true all about windows phone insight podcast style as soon as possible in the meantime always love getting all your feedback and i know that one of the bits of feedback are going to go on this camera stuff is that we didn't mention the optics and that absolutely is the third 
leg on the stool and all of this and um, actually optics have become much more standardized just in the way that the gpus he was talking about they're kind of becoming off the shelf component you know uh nokia pioneered the early stuff with carl's ice but high quality lenses are now almost standard in the high-end camera phones to the extent that you know you combine those three factors together and a good good camera is pretty much guaranteed on the high-end stuff of course there are still differences but it's interesting at that same time we are seeing a switch back to kind of other manufacturers you know the likes of huawei xiaomi and some of the other chinese manufacturers perhaps as you know it has become possible to create these really great high-end devices just off the shelf and of course it also goes hand in hand with the fact more and more of the smartphones being sold are actually at the lower end of the market in the mid-tier and the cheap devices you know because they're cheaper they're always going to sell in much greater numbers than you know those high-end devices like the s5 the 930 the iphone etc you know it's it's really the low end of the market as represented by the 520 and the 530 in the windows phone world that will uh, dominate sales and so sometimes i wonder we spend so much time talking about the high-end camera phones we should probably spend more time talking about what the quality is like on on the lower end but that was a, a little bit of diversion from the christmas wishes but <laughs> Yeah, you're right, Steve. We we should uh, wrap it up there. Wish everybody all the best, and uh, we'll be back very soon. And please tune in then. Yeah, we could talk for for hours, really, Rafe, and we often do. But in this case, I <laughs> should just say goodbye, and uh, we will catch you very soon. <laughs>